They're taking cherubin pots strewn strategically along the daily. Charter boys are tying paternosters in preparation for the fray. Tinnies are being towed to target on the Arnhem Highway. Over in Gove, they're rigging up teasers for the big boys. There's an air of anxious optimism at harbourside boat ramps as launch time looms. And in the front bar of a top-end pub. What are you doing, man? Uh, just running the numbers on the tinnies' use of the word mullet over the last financial year. The ABC bigwigs are on our case. Yeah, about. they're not going to clamp down on us, are they? Mm. I mean, frequent and liberal use of the word mullet is our right. Not to mention probably half our bloody content. What kind of numbers are we looking at? Well, let's see. Um, 2021-22, we said mullets... 636, no, 637 times. It's only 15 times per show on average. Like, what's the problem? I mean, that's nothing. Why don't you tell them to get a mullet up then? Mm. More beard. Make it 638 times while you're at it. Get your bums in the boat and get on with it. Fishos and welcome to the Tinny for another week where the cold, cold winds are a-blowing. If you're on the East Coast, yes, you've had a bit of snow. How about that? We too, actually, uh, in the Tinny and across the top end have had the equivalent of a blizzard up here. It was 20-odd degrees this morning. Felt like about, what, beard? 16, 16.2? Basically snowing. It can and snow at 16 degrees, can't no, it? Not a great deal of difference. A lot of complaining going on around the joint. Justifiably so. Uh, I've, I've seen a few Ugg boots around, actually. <laughs> I didn't even know people had Ugg boots up here, but there you go. They're trendy now, man. Mm. Yeah, spiritually, I'm more at home during the dry season, I'd say. Uh, been doing a been doing a bit of spearing. I was down there the other day underwater, and um, a bloody uh, a blue bloom swam up to me, and you know what went through my head? The inner dialogue was like, "Oh well, a well nice blue bone, Keith Watson." <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. Fish, I, I wanted to mention to you that the, uh, the the curbs yarn from the other day, curbs curbs of the book of curbs. Mm. Uh, that's up on the Tinny website and the ABC Listen app. There's uh, nothing to do with cane toads and crab bait, mate. Oh, that was the... It was about uh, the zen of fishing. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. With a little bit on cane toads and, and, and crab bait. And, and, and the book of curves. <laughs> um, it, it's up by itself if you want to have a re-listen to it without having to trawl through that, that whole show. Uh, Andy, this week, for his part, Tim, has left for a week to attend a music retreat in the Australian Alps with one mission. Mm. Come back with a jingle for our... Just Ask Curbs uh, segment. He's gone on a retreat to the snowing Alps, the hills across Adelaide River. Full meditation, colonic irrigation, uh, anything that's going to help facilitate the creative process. To come back with a a 10-second jingle. I'm hoping we can can hear the colonic irrigation in the music. Just Ask Curbs. What do you think, what are you hoping for in this jingle? Almost like a 1970s sitcom kind of like, Just Ask Curbs. Yeah, I'm hearing Billy Joel, Uptown Girl. Just Ask Curbs. 
There's something we need to note here too, pertaining to Andy and devising his new strategies to acquire fishing tackle. Mm. You know, this is despite his 2023 commitment to purchase none. Uh, can we just note this dispatch came in last week after he'd done a run to Darwin from the Barry Classic to present the tinny, no less. Uh, it seems he popped into a tackle shop supposedly on behalf of a mate, Stewie, who he fished with while down there. Oh, it's nice and peaceful out here, Stewie. I've got your tackle for you. There you go. Oh, thank you very much. Thanks for that. That's what I need. Yeah. Uh, actually, can I just grab a couple of those back from you? And I'll just take that and that. Those cheek heads. Those cheek heads. Those cheek heads. All right. There you go. Mate, thanks for giving those to me. <laughs> Thank you. No problem. Let's get it I'm glad I could help. Ha 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 ha, Annie. Buying tackle for someone else, delivering it to them, then supposedly being gifted back a cut of said tackle is. Are we supposed to believe that bid? It's audacious. I mean, I'm feeling like there's room uh, here now for some sort of, like a tackle rehab, Mm. you know, where you can't get access to any tackle at all. It's just cold turkey. You get shut in a room, in a jacket. That's it. White white padded walls, and you just bounce around there, cold turkey on your... Agreed. Yeah. I don't think it'd last. I don't think any of us would last. Stick around, Fishos, because we're going to chat with one of the winners of the Barra Classic on just how the hell they blew everyone else out of the park so decisively in the comp last week. We'll head down to Bino too and see how the uh, how that's been fishing after the latest round of Tebs and also find out why water police in the top end are just a little bit nicer. You're on Tars from the Tinny with Tim and Beard. We didn't really have a plan. Without even thinking, just on instinct alone. Oh, composed under pressure. If you don't want to know, don't ask, basically. Almost like a new romance. But you can break their spirit pretty quick. Sales from the tinny. Now, Tim, in the billfish scene up here, there is one family who go pretty hard. I mean, even the kids are frothing on it. Yeah. You know, they're frothing on that 5% mayhem moment that, that seems to be the fuel to the billfishers' fire. They are the family Micus. And together they took out the Darwin Game Fishing Club's billfish bash over the weekend and also the first round of the top end billfish series. Uh, one of the fish that got them there was caught is by. Is that the Tufspus? Of course. I get confused. We are here talking about the Tuspus. We're talking about the Tuspus. Well, why didn't you just say that? They took out the Tuspus. Well, they also took out the Billy Bash. The oh. BB Tuspus. One of the fish that got them there was caught by uh, eight-year-old Tilly. Uh, she was uh, the first one on the phone when I spoke to him the other day. Got a little bit of help from Dad Rod. Come on, so you caught a sailfish. I caught a sailfish. How big? Ten kilos. How did it feel holding the rod when that was on the on the end of the line? Very heavy. Tell I me. had to wear a cast thingy on my arm because it was that big and it hurt my arm. It hurt your arm? Yeah, from winding. Whoa, how long did it take to come in? About five minutes. Is that your first sailfish? No, it's my second. Why do you like it so much? The jumping, yeah. Do you guys go out fishing a lot with mum and dad? Yes. You're not just going because they want to go, are you? Sort of. Do they sometimes just hand you the camera and say, film me, Tilly? Yeah, a lot. A lot. All right, Father, Rod Micus, what does it actually mean for you getting your daughter onto a 10-kilo Sally? Oh, it's awesome to see the kids actually out there catching prestige billfish in the NT. 
You took down the, the, the Billy Bash with a sizable black uh, for, for our waters. Tell us about that fish. Yeah, nice little black male, about 75 to 80 kilos. Quite a quick fish to catch, actually. Um, I had it on the leader within under under five minutes. And then all hell broke loose on the leader and, yeah, ended up got wrapped around the motor once and it come back off and then got wrapped around again and I was trying to reach out the back to get it off the motor around the prop and fell into the water while I was trying to get the um, line off. So I stayed in there and got it eventually unwrapped off the motor and the fish is pulling me backwards trying to pull me away. In the meantime, he's running into the boat and it's swimming around everywhere while it's pulling on me. I climbed back in the boat and after a few more minutes, eventually got it onto the um, onto the leader. You're in the water unwrapping the line. How, how, how far away is the fish at this point? Uh, he's about probably 10 or 12 feet behind me. <laughs> That's, that's, it wasn't very far. No, that's a, that's an interesting situation for a, a large, a very large fish with a very large pointy thing on its nose. Yes. How was it looking out there bait-wise? Uh, because it sounded like a pretty tough round otherwise. Yeah, no, it was actually a really tough round. We actually, there was a there was a lot of bait out there, but a lot of it was scattered all over the place. That This is wide of the witch's nose. Uh, there was bits of bait, but we are marking fish on it, but just couldn't get it to come up for the water column to... Um, yeah, come into the spread and take the baits. Just a bit of a fluke that we end up with two, but um, in a bit closer, the bait seemed to ball up a lot better and um, there was a few fish laying around it. You've been bill fishing for a long time. Uh, for the start of May, um, compared to other years, I mean, notwithstanding having a hard time actually finding fish this round, but, um, but in terms of how things are looking there and how, how the stage is set... Uh, how is it looking compared to past years? Um, it's actually looking quite good. I think on the weekend, on the you know, we seem to find a lot more bait than what we did last year, but the fish seem to uh, bit a little bit better last year than what they had on the first round anyway. But, um, yeah, I think it's only just going to get a lot better um, with the amount of bait that is actually out there. And there's lots of tuna in that amongst them as well. And, yeah, I think it's going to be... Yeah, a cracky year actually. I know the billfish shows aren't great fans of uh, of the mackerel, um, but did you see many signs of them? I actually didn't find a mackerel all weekend, which I was very happy about because <laughs> they end up costing you lots of money when they start chewing up hundred dollar lures and and every bait that you put out. So I ended up steer steer clear of them for the weekend, which was great. Wow, yeah, good result. Yeah. <laughs> They're definitely there because I had there was other boats out there that had problems with them, but yeah, we just seemed to steer clear of them. Rod, can I talk baits with you just for a minute? Have you already been out on a bait run, or are you are you still uh, rolling with frozen baits from last year? I've um, still got a few frozen ones from last year at the moment, and probably this weekend I'm going to get some fresh ones. So you're chasing garries? Yeah, you're chasing mini marlin. Yes, mini marlin. <laughs> Yeah, um, and get some nice fresh ones. Yeah, I, can you just talk me to through your, your sort of the rough plan with that uh, and how you go about, go about doing it? Yeah, well, I just go out to the front of um, sort of East Point, Lee Point sort of area and burly up with some um, bread and stuff like that, a bit of tuna oil and um, yeah, a little float and a little hook and sit there and catch them one by one. It's very hard to get in the cast net. I found out there in the deep water anyway, but. Um, yeah, just sit there for hours and hours and hours, just plodding away, catching little garfish all day. 
Uh, and, and what are you actually, you're not putting bread on the hook. What are you actually putting on the hook? Nah, just use a little strip of squid. Um, yeah, just like to thank Peter Dinoff um, and Darwin Go Fishing Club for um, organising and running the billfish bash for the weekend. Uh, done a great job again and um, some awesome prizes uh, that were out there to win. And um, yeah, that was really good. Good on you, Rod. Thanks again, man. Uh, thanks, Bid. Tenny boys, Mark here from Kurama. Just uh, ringing in with a bit of a report from the uh, Tebs Top End Barra Series. Bino from the weekend. We fished it, myself and little Reggie. Traditionally, it's a pretty tough round for us, actually, Bino. I don't think uh, I've registered any more than one fish. Actually, maybe only one fish in the last four years. So, And we were sort of just a bit lucky, I guess, to be a little bit of a Johnny on the spot. We don't run any of those uh, scope dope technology or Mario Stick Brothers things, I call them. Uh, we don't have any of that now, so we had to use a little bit of the old school uh, knowledge. Got on a patch of fish that were just sitting there, and they probably turned on when the water was at its slackest. It wasn't only run, it was really, really still. Flicking tiny little plastics around, so our hookup rate was terrible. I think we lost bloody three fish to every one that we actually put in the boat. Nothing humongous, but uh, as it turned out, both Reggie and I managed to, I think, to get three scoring fish, which is a hell of a lot more fish than we've ever got in Bino. So we thought, oh, well, you know, this is good. Probably had a good two, two and a half hour session there where consistent fish every five odd minutes, a lot were underneath, you know. We were putting them on the bloody sticker, the old um, tails of the tinny sticker. By the way, boys, mine's stuffed. Be great if I could get another one. Uh, just to check them, you know, and there was plenty of them that just coming under that 50 range. So we probably could add a lot more, but you know, we couldn't flatten them out. I think we pulled stumps at two o'clock in the morning, went back to sleep. Got up Sunday morning thinking, right, oh, well, this is good. We'll just top up today, you know, and we'll be in for a show. As it turns out, the wind blew its ring out on Saturday, on Sunday, so it wasn't much chop. And we didn't boat another fish after that. I'm pretty bloody stoked, I think, by the end of it. I might have got in uh, fourth position, and that's as good as first as far as I'm concerned. Great weekend, boys, and uh, looking forward to the next round. Get a mullet up ya. See ya. Hey, I went along to that um, to that Tebs presentation. They do sort of presentations at intervals during the you know the year, uh, and this was presentation for round one and two, which are both shady rounds. Do they do they do a raft up with their camp chairs? Because it's normally a picnic, isn't it? It's, it's, I think it's basically a raft up, uh, just in the beer garden of, of, of one of several top-end pubs. So they do a beer garden raft up. Beer garden just raft up. Just all sit really close and pass beers across to each other. Yeah. Put up a temporary bimini over the, over the picnic they table. Don't, they don't tie up to each other. <laughs> <laughs> but they basically right, metaphorically here. doing come, that. Come here, Mark. I'm just going to do a couple of half hitches between you and me. We'll sit here and drink beers. <laughs> So I'm keeping an eye on the tide. <laughs> oh, we're swinging around here. <laughs> What's in the pie warmer, Bolchie? Um, anyway, I went along to that preso, and I can confirm uh, that Jack Oswald, that dark horse, he was... He, he was, exists. He exists. We've got the confirm. Mm. And uh, more than that, he was seen without his hat. <laughs> and i got to say, he looked vulnerable. Did you talk, did you talk to him? I did. We actually talked about surfing, but uh, not really about fishing. So he was cagey about mm. the fishing. Uh, well, yeah. well, 
Yes, as is his yeah. sort of MO. Yeah. yeah, dark and mysterious cat. Mm. Good on you, Mob, and a more detailed wrap of how that round actually fished a little bit later on the tinny. Now, Tim, there's been a proposal this week. Uh, I don't think you're going to like it. Mm. You see, Waddy's heading to PNG soon uh, to fish for black bass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and his brother suggested that perhaps a certain notorious lure should go with him. Oh, please. To break its curse. No. Please, no. You see, Tim, it makes perfect sense. Oh, does it? The impenetrable jungle is the axolotl's spiritual origin. Oh, my God. A place of darkness. The site at which the corruption of its soul occurred all those years ago. I can't believe this is happening. The place where it made its horrible metamorphosis from innocent amphibious newty thing to force of pure evil. We don't know why, but we do know that the jungle has, as Conrad once wrote... The stillness of an implacable force brooding over an inscrutable intention. What does any of that actually mean? <laughs> it means you want you want to take this axolotl to PNG and kill it. Granted, is that, is it, that what it, you're trying it, to say? It's not the Belgian Congo. It's not the South American wilds where you find axolotls. But I think taking this axolotl to PNG could work. You see, it's only by catching the mythical and nightmarish black bass in the steamy wilds of Lake Murray. Don't do it again. In PNG. Can the curse be lifted? And the axolotl face its heart of darkness. Be that the end of it. Shoot it. Share it. Shout it. Give us a point. Well, Andy, when it comes to interviewing fishers in Darwin, we do hit them up in an array of locations, do we not? Oh yeah, I mean we got got Merv a week or two ago, you know, behind the Chinese embassy there, lurking around car parks, shopping centres are good. You never know what you're going to find. I like Winelli actually, with the, with the soundtrack of grinders and uh, and aircon <laughs> units in the background. But we do f- find ourselves in the industrial area of Woona here, in a car park, just trying to get out of the wind because it's bloody blowing its ring out, and we're here to see Dwight, who has just taken out round three uh, down at Bino, which is sort of well, I'm going to call it his round, because he's won it once before. G'day, Dwight. Ben, Andy, how are you? Dry season's upon us. I know, you got jeans on, bro. What's going on there? Oh, they've got to look professional at some stage. No, oh, it is chill. I've got some, look at these knees here. They've got the actual goosebumps. <laughs> we got goosebumps here! <laughs> Dwight, you've taken it out before, I think it was two years ago. What is it about Bino that, and you uh, that match up so well? It's just it's a tough round, I suppose. Always a tough place to fish, and if you can find a few spots that have got got a couple of okay fish on it, then you go all right. And I just seem to be arsy and catch okay fish in Bonner. Did you have a couple of go-to spots, or were you just scoping it out and, and reading nature? Always got the go-to spots. Got the the set routine around different times of the tide, and none of those worked. <laughs> we had we had caught one fish all afternoon or all for the two days effectively on all our spots just nothing happened so we went exploring just for those that maybe don't know the rules do you want to just remind us of what the rules of tebs are is it is it, is it length or number of fish or how does it work yeah so it's your 
your five best fish over the course of a weekend. Uh, lines in 6am on a Saturday morning, lines out 6pm Sunday, Sunday night, and it's your five best fish. And each of those fish are scored by length, and then converted to a point scale on a sliding scale. So the bigger fish earn you more points, and, and that's sort of the general premise. And it's very much a social comp. That's the, the aspect that we try to spin on it. And, there was plenty of socialising done. But you've taken it down with a couple of like decent sized fish, what, uh, what 89 and a... Yeah, you got 89 and 88 and a 54. So only three submitted, but, but two, two solid fish. I think next closest for the round was a 65, so... That was the story sort of this round, wasn't it? Like that not many big fish caught at all. What were people's theories on that? Yeah, well, I think we're about half a dozen 60s and then all the rest below. At, um, not sure what the theory is, it's... Look, conditions look good, a little bit of wind, tides were okay, water clarity was great, just fish not on the chew. So take us through the first of those 80s, how, how'd you get it? Uh, we went exploring right up the top of some little creek and we just sort of went, might as well find some spots for next year because we're not doing too well this year and as we were just sort of cruising along there's a tiny little snake drain, just threw a, threw a plastic in there and first cast through the, through the middle of that, she hit and just went <laughs> shallow water tight drain under the boat three or four times around the motor done everything she could to get off every snag she could see she went at and took half a dozen sort of net shots but we got it and what stage of the tide are we talking here first the push in um, push in on the sunday afternoon they're yeah, probably only 20 minutes after the push uh, real shallow real dirty water hiding out waiting for the <laughs> the bait to push up oh so this is sunday afternoon and that's when you got the first of the two big fish so what about the second about 45 minutes later, on the same creek. It was not really a creek, it was a drain. It was tiny. On our way out, we were going to go and hit another spot, and we went, just double back round and try that creek again. And she come out, bow wave out of the creek, across the front of the boat, plastic right on her nose, just opened it up as she just kept motoring. And it was good to see sight cast of an 88. It was pretty handy. Quickly go on to something else that happened uh, during the comp, Lats and Bulchy, high and dry. Yeah mate, they um, they left their, their little gather up, raft up at, a, at one of the shacks out there. Uh, left early to go and fish the midnight low tide and they were, they were adamant they were going to have a little bit of a kip before they um, they got up and they were going to work it hard. We woke up in the morning to a, to a text message of, of them going, just missed it by this much. <laughs> <laughs> it could mean a couple of things in Bolshe's terms, but, um, but uh, they, they missed the channel by a few metres and were high and dry, so they missed the tide, and yeah, that was sort of sort of their overnight run done. So rumour has it that Bolshe didn't get any scorers, and uh, one of Latz's scorers actually jumped and hit Bolshe in the nether regions, rendering him useless for, for some time. He was very disgruntled at the fact that uh, that Latz had, had polled a fish in, and... Uh, and cleaned up his pole in the in the offing. So it um, there was a few a few choice words being being thrown around the barbecue um, late that evening. Are they still the only mob running the the, the cast deck ladder? Yep, strapped to the front. Um, oh, so we watched them catch a couple of rats using that technique. So it obviously clearly it works. I imagine the ladder would be quite handy too for getting up on to watch when the tide's coming in. It, it would have helped, I'm sure. <laughs> Dwight, in terms of, you, of how you normally fish bino, 
during the dry season? Is it that standard kind of like, okay, wait for it to drain you know, out of the mangroves, last the run out first of the push? Is that generally the case and you're looking for drains? And, and if not, what else are you doing? Yeah, the way I fish, Bono, it's mostly that... Um, that dropping tide and the first of the push is where I like to, to target. I don't have a lot of spots on the high high. But yeah, we, as soon as those water, that water just starts to come out of the, the mangroves and you start to see the breathers, that's when you, when I really like to see it. Watching those fish just snake their way out uh, into the next drains and we'll just be throwing um, three and four inch plastics around those those areas. Then when the water really drains out, just targeting those, those flats um, and the mouths of the drains right at the bottom bottom of the tide and then just following working in with the with the water as it pushes in about two hours after the after the push is when we sort of go right that's that's us done and and if we want to stay out for a bit longer we'll we'll go and troll some areas and and just troll in with the tide and and see if we can't can't land a couple of uh, nice fish on that what did you actually get those two fish on again uh five inch placky yeah went a little bit bit bigger a little bit darker water clarity wasn't there and same same lure for both fish. How shallow and what size jig head? Couldn't tell you the weight of the jig head, mate. But um, shallow, we're probably only four foot the main little creek we were running in, and the drain itself may maybe had two foot. It was yeah, proper skinny water up where we were. It just goes to show, doesn't it? You don't need deep water to catch barra. Like they'll they'll even just sit there and and feed on their side sometimes. And we were watching on those same up those same regions. We were watching sort of. 45s and 50s cruising the edges um, on their sides, pushing bow waves out of these creeks. And they were interested, they were following our lures right to the boat and then just turning away last second. And they were just lucky enough that there was a big girl waiting. And when, when we did see the second one come out, and yeah, just, I was almost cocked up my cast. I landed it right on her nose and she just opened the mouth and away went. And it was, um, yeah, couldn't have. Couldn't ask for any better. All right, Dwight. Thanks again for meeting us up in this nondescript industrial area car park. Uh, old mate's about to back his truck in here, so we got to fly. Cheers, gents. Catch us later. Had a beer, and I sat there and thought about my actions. And, and if I didn't make it back to the ramp um, alive, I was okay with that. He went to five props, I think. Nearly crying with excitement. Take everything I need on the boat one day. Tales from the Tin. To some more uplifting correspondence now, Beard, than um, the axolotl and its imminent demise in the the dark wilds and jungles. You don't find that uplifting? This is from... No, I find this more uplifting because it's a missive from Matt Elkin, the architect. We haven't heard from him in many many a year or many a month, a long time. And we always know that he produces uh, insightful correspondence, uh, which is lengthy. So can you just share it with me? Sure. Hi, gents. Uh, Matt here from the land of the rising sun, where yesterday I witnessed a man eating a soft serve ice cream on his own in a train station and was reminded, of course, of Hirokai Nakamura. However, that's not why I write. Two thematically related things, and I'll, I'll try to keep them brief, uh, which I'm not normally good at, says Matt. Number one, dead tuna and freedom. Your claims of sashimi on the chip being the most democratic meal since food began. This was some time ago, Beard. Mm are insightful. But I suspect that the Japanese may take issue with the claim of its invention. Sashimi on a bed of rice, this is 2,500-year-old sushi, fills exactly the same hole in the social landscape over here. It's the rich and the poor man's food. Two bucks or 200 bucks, depending on where you dine. 
carbs and protein in one tasty little package. So democratic, in fact, says Matt, that you can follow it with a soft-serve chaser. No one will even blink over here. It's a, look, it's a reasonable point. I mean, we're talking about Stu Hodge's, uh tuna chip, the tuna chip, yeah. uh, you know, that he's comparing to here. And, and Matt's saying basically that the Japanese did it first. They did it first, but they didn't do it with a chip, did they? No, no, no. no. Okay. They didn't do it with a chip. <laughs> It took Stu Hodges in 2023 to take it to chip level. Uh, Matt goes on to other matters of egalitarianism. Jet skis, live tuna and freedom. A lesson from an experience I had last week on pit water still haunts me with its chilling possibilities. <laughs> Imagine a perfect calm Sydney summer's weekend morn. No wind, 6am, sun is rising over a glassy estuary. Schools of Benito are popping up all over the surface. However, I, in my seven-knot diesel putt-putt, had to be Johnny on the spot to get a cast to them. I finally got to a school before they disappeared. A couple of casts and two feisty little Benito. Then, to my annoyance, a bloke on a jet ski comes directly towards me and straight through the school. Now, my opinion of jet skis, says Matt, is jaundiced at the best of times. So I was about to let all the uncharitable thoughts in my head coalesce into a vile stream of words directed at this idiot when I noticed... Blue and white checks on the side of the jet ski. Uh-oh. G'day, Brendan here from Water Police. We're just doing random safety equipment and licence checks. Seriously? At sunrise on a glassy morning on an inshore waterway with no current, mm. says Matt. About the safest boating situation anyone is ever likely to encounter. In the middle of a school of obviously very active fish. Suffice to say, Brendan left. I got cautioned for not having a waterproof torch. And the Benito, well, no one ever saw him again. Matt goes on. Knowing the church is built on a firm foundation of egalitarianism, I wonder what the implications would be if this scene was replicated in the NT. And well, you would wonder, Matt. At some point in the future, just imagine if you dare that NT boat licences come in under the banner of public safety. Mm. Yes, Andy, it never takes a holiday. Then Brendan and his mates with their jet skis turn up to do a random breath test out the front of Shady in the middle of a hot runoff bite. Yeah, I wonder if Brendan and co would get taped to their jet skis and fed to the ravenous lizards as tasty little croc treats, asked Matt. That, in fact, could be the most democratic meal since food began. Thanks for listening. I feel purged of my bitterness. I may even have a soft serve ice cream now. If that's the role we can play for you, Matt, or, or to any... Uh, here in the Church of the Tinny, to purge your bitterness, then I think our job is done. We can be the canvas upon which you purge. The Ken Doan painting. <laughs> like a Jackson Pollock. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> in fact, having got this correspondence from Matt, I thought be it a perfect opportunity to just ask Curbs. I mean, we don't have a jingle for it yet. Andy's still working on that in the Highlands over at Adelaide River or the, the, the mountainous Alps. What's the question? Hey, Curbs, how do you control your rage when someone, police or otherwise, interrupts the hottest bite window you've ever been party to? Very simple. It's all about relaxing. You go out, boating first, and every now and then, fishing breaks out. Just chill out. <laughs> That's it? Yeah. <laughs> Just chill out. Yeah, that was light. Five or ten minutes of purging, mm. Curbs just shuts it down. I think Curbs actually needs to be a chatbot. <laughs> you know, that you ask questions and, then, and you just get these kind of answers back. Curbs, what's this strange fungus that's growing between my toes? Great. Awesome. But at the end of the day, <laughs> fish is just fishing. Just enjoy it. 
What about Matthias? Curves, I'm just changing this dodgy fan in the house. Is green the active, the neutral, earth, or the earth? Or is, is, is black the earth and, and, and red the active? Who cares? Less stress, less. Stress less and enjoy life. <laughs> Worst chatbot ever. <laughs> Worst chatbot ever. Gotta love the book of curbs. <laughs> Tiki boys, curse and tackle. <laughs> well, Fishos, the Barra Classic has been run and won by a similar mob that took out the Nats. But this, for the Classic, was something else. Team Tackle World took it down in record-breaking fashion, notching up 96 fish, 10,040 points, with champion angler Shane Compain, a personal 5,900 points or something like that. It was insane. One man who was part of the winning team this year and took out both runner-up champ and biggest barrow was someone who I, I'm pretty sure on the tinny used to be called the other guy. But that doesn't seem quite fair in the circumstances. Terry Ryan, you're on your smoko, back at work at the Duck Pond, Big bloody congrats. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? When you say it like that, it sounds very cool. <laughs> 2,965 points as runner-up champion angler. Biggest barra at 97. Let's start this really simple. How did you do it? A lot of practice. Um, there was a lot of practice, a lot of pre-fishing in that. Obviously, fishing the gnats a week before was really cool to have that grasp on the river and what the river was doing at the time. Yeah, just learning learning the river and having those years of experience to to see the river change over that week and to basically keep up with that change and get one step ahead of it is absolutely ideal for those sorts of comps and between myself Shane and Steve you know the ideas are always floating around when we've got 10 minutes or 20 minutes of not catching anything so all that sort of combined the new tech we've got now and all those sorts of things in a good wet season and everything coming together at the same time that's how we did what we did over the classic i like how you say you know if we had like 10 or 20 minutes of not catching anything you know where some day, some teams are like oh you know one or two days of not catching anything <laughs> yeah definitely now we 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 strive to catch fish all day that whole comp both comps you know and and it's something that we do we get to like half an hour in and the conversation starts like it'll be like what are we doing shane and then shane will be like oh i think we need to do this and then the ideas start flowing and next minute we're cruising up the river to another spot and luckily this year a lot of the times that we did that through both comps it was we rocked up and there was fish everywhere and we just started catching fish again so even our plan on the first day um i might go back to the nationals out we started somewhere differently every day at the nats we didn't we had a plan in the morning to go and hit something and we'd drive down the river and see bait see this on the corner see that happening a big you know straight stretch of um, bubbles and stuff up the middle and we completely changed our plan and you know we did that well in the nationals as well and this year in the classic the first day our plan was to fish snags we um shane and steve did a pre-fish a couple of days and we our whole plan in the morning we tied all the different lures for that plan was to go and hit snags and and hit rock bars and work our get our fish that way scrounge for them until they started to come up the middle and then literally on day one we had about 300 points by um 3 30 in the afternoon and then we were down at alligator head and the tide turned and started to push in and we got our chance with the fish moving up the river and that's exactly what we wanted because those are the fish that you can target 
on your active target and get them to eat. You know, when they're moving and you throw a lure in front of them and you get it right on their nose, that's when they're going to eat. So, uh, There's a lot of talk about how you can target. You can basically harass fish that aren't necessarily into eating with this tech. Uh, were you guys doing much of that? Were you always get, uh, throwing lures at fish that were on the move and were ready? No, definitely, definitely had to get fish to change their mood and what they're doing. So it's not just casting at fish and getting them to eat. It's it's putting that lure. Sometimes they won't want to eat, but if you put it right in their face coming across, and you can be 100 mil out and they'll literally turn off and do something differently. Or you can um, get a fish and make some noise and get them to turn and go, what's that? And then from there, make a second cast, get them to be a little bit more interested. We've had fish that... We're floating past, not a care in the world, not interested in eating, and next minute they're charging a bait. And that's how you use your rod, how you use your lures, what lures you're putting on, how close you're getting to the fish, not scaring the fish. Like There are so many variables in all of that. And over the last two or three years of having active, we've learnt that, we've spent the time on the water, we've brainstormed, like we used to come back from trips and I'd call Shane and speak to him for two hours after a trip and then he'd go for two days and then come back and do the exact same thing. So it's very much learning the process and but that's the cool part. You know, you can get a fish that's coming down the river not even thinking of feeding and next minute he's charging your lure because you've got him interested in it and that's just, I think it's unbelievable. So definitely getting it out in front of them, presenting it as natural as you possibly can so that they think that it's a bait fish and not Shane and Payne. <laughs> Turns out it was Shane Compain after all. <laughs> I mean, everyone's talking about how you guys have mastered the tech, epic wet season, insane fishers who have fished the daily since they were teenagers. But I still reckon we're missing something here. And Warren touched on it last week. Like, wh- what is it? What are we missing here? Is there some subtle lure presentation that, that we're missing? Or is there some, like, special twitch at the precise moment that, that gets the nib? Are you doing a dance before you're casting? Like, what is it? What, what are we missing? What's the edge? There might not be a dance. I'm not too sure about the dance, but uh, accuracy. If you're going to get one thing that I'd say that absolutely dominates over everything is accuracy and there'll be hours where you're off and you miss everything and they don't even look at you and then Shane will be just going bang 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 and then the next hour for some reason Shane's changed his thing or he's drinking the wrong thing and then he'll he'll be out you know and you're in and you're jamming it so 100% accuracy and that only comes with using it um, as much as you possibly can and yeah. What told you guys generally speaking where the fish were going to be and when? Tides. So with that style of fishing, it's and not so much that style of fishing, also with the any other form of fishing, with your trawling and all that sort of thing, it's just tides. So at a 5.7, they'll be at a certain part of the river. At a 6.2, they'll be a certain part of the river. So that's a massive part of it. So just knowing, and especially fishing the comps and that, and obviously uh, recreationally fishing the Daly River, knowing those points of where they're going to rock up like we were down at alligator head and we thought on that tide that they would rock up and literally at four o'clock in the afternoon a big wall of fish come around the corner and that was from you know shane just studying tides and going this is where we need to be at that time and it's a pretty cool thing and i'm a little bit sort of i'll go down to an area and i'll look at the tides and i'm like oh right they should rock up here and sometimes they don't but he just nails it when he looks at that he sits there and studies the tides so well 
So, yeah, I'd have to say it would be tides, tide heights. Morning tea time, Terry. Word is for the first time in your competitive career, uh, you're now a huge fan of morning tea. Is this strategy? Have you changed? We've heard a couple of times last week that we... um that they've never, ever seen Team Tackle World sit down and have food. So um, for the first time in a long time, and maybe it might have been the conditions of the comp or something like that, but we all sat down and had smoker together, and then we all sat down and had lunch together. It was actually quite nice to do it for the first time ever. It wasn't that you were just completely braining it from day one. <laughs> it might have had something to do with it. The, it might have been, yeah, but... Yeah, it was actually really nice. We sat under the shade and had a bit of a chin wag and then got back at it. There's a lot of talk about uh, about you guys being um, like, like actual professional athletes, you know. Uh, are you, how comfortable are you being uh, referred to as uh, an elite athlete, Terry? I don't know. I don't think my stature actually fits <laughs> an athlete, but I'll take that every day of the week. Yep, definitely athlete. <laughs> there was also another Cherry Ryan as part of this comp. I think it's fishing with uh, Merv Hughes. A word around the campfire that there was there was a good Terry and there was a shit Terry. Now, am I to assume you were the former? Yes. Well, that goes back. I didn't name any of that. That was Merv Hughes who named all of that. But um, yeah, they used to take him home, and everyone would congratulate the other Terry on winning the Barra Nationals, and uh, Merv would say, "No, no, no, that's the good Terry, not our shit Terry." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah poor Tezza <laughs> of course you also got uh, biggest barra for the whole comp at 97 congratulations that must have surprised you though that that, that that was as big as it got for the comp yeah definitely so that was um, I can't remember what was up or leading on day, the end of day 4 I think it was a 96 centimetre maybe by Dave Silver and we went into the next day we didn't go for biggest fish or anything like that and I ended up um, getting the 97 at around 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm pretty sure it was. And I talked to Shane and I, we laughed a little bit and we're like, there's no way that that will stay the biggest fish, especially with how the river was fishing, ma- massive tides. And and as it happened, it ended up being the biggest fish of the comp, but we got back and there was so many boats that were basically saying that they lost their metery for the day. There would have been, I think, about 10 boats that I would have talked to that said they lost one way over a metre. So I think I just got very lucky with that. I think there was a lot of bigger fish caught or hooked for that day. But, yeah, it worked out well. I'll take it every day of the week with the 97. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Generally speaking, what was the style lure that was getting you guys fish and what size? We were using the um, plastics around that sort of six to sort of eight or what is it, six-inch sort of plastics and just anything that was in that size bracket that we'll see in with the size of the bait that was in the river. And... We didn't go too large, you know, we weren't throwing the massive plastics or the massive hard bodies around, but that decent size that you know that the 70s are going to eat and possibly the big sort of metre fish are going to target as well. So, yeah, and different colours. Green was a real good one for both comps. Um, we started using white at the end there um, and they were getting the bites in that sort of dirtier colour as the week went on, but, yeah. Well, Terry... 2,965 points, which is, uh, I'm guessing that's more than the, the sum totals of, of whole teams in past years. Uh, so, uh, look, hats off to you, man, it's, uh, and to all you guys. It's an epic effort, and you're going to find it hard to beat yourselves next year, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, it was an amazing week, and we're very proud of what's happened, and it's sort of it's sinking in now that you're back at work and people have you know um, come forward and said congratulations and all that sort of thing, and 
yeah, we won't take it for granted. It was an unbelievable year where everything went together and, yeah, we'll definitely take it. But thank you. Terry Ryan. Did he used to be called the other guy, Tim? I think he actually still is. Is he? Yeah. Started way, way, way back when. Surely that's not He's fair the, and, and the other guy. No, it's, I think it's, it's time to drop that title. Yeah, I mean, that was a pretty impressive yarn. Thanks for your generosity, Terry. But I think he's still the other guy. <laughs> I tried, Terry. <laughs> you, 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 you did, man. Yeah. Incredible effort. I should say that interview was a little bit too long to do in, in, in one piece. So there's actually more to this, the second half. Mm. I'm going to call them the B-sides, or the outtakes, the Terry, the Terry B-sides. Yeah, and why not? So we're, we're going to opt for more Terry this episode. Is that what we're doing? More Terry. Okay, more Terry, because I, I guess as the Book of Curbs teaches us... Have a go at it. You can't go wrong, can you? I love it. So stick around for that, uh, because more Terry is going to be more of the fun stuff. Uh, it gives us a little bit more of an insight as to how things roll on that champion team boat, uh, including toileting arrangements. Come on, Beard. I know what's happened here. Mm. I bet... You go into interviews like this with a series, such a large, long series of questions in your unusual mind, mm. and you just had to punch a few of them out, didn't you? Well, look, some look, strange curiosity that no one's ever thought of, like, tell me about toileting. Oh, everyone's thought of oh, that. Yeah, well, I guess. Come so. on, come not on. many have asked. No, it's just that uh, it's just that you know sometimes those questions sit a bit strangely next to uh, next to what what lures were you using? Yeah, like, and oh, how yes. was it? Yeah. Oh yes, yeah. And how yeah. many times did you poo that day? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you put all those bits, all the just bits Beard wants to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Coming up, so, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. now looking very much forward to this. Oh, there's some good stuff in there. <laughs> Red, fast and free. Presenting the tails from the tinny fish measuring sticker. Some say it's been scented with a barramundi pheromone. Some say it's scientifically proven in the effective removal of leg hair. Some say that these stats might be slightly exaggerated. Much like your fishing yards without a tails from the tinny fish measuring sticker. Email fishing at abc.net.au or message the tinny on Facebook to get yours. G'day to Josh Stevens in Canberra, who's sent an email into fishing at abc.net.au, chasing a sticker. Long time listener and first time caller here. Not to harp on about a crow, but <laughs> I. Oh no, no. But I was just going about my morning working and I, I heard a decent bang on the window. Uh, thinking nothing of it for a few minutes until I poked my head out the window and there it was, stone cold dead, bloodily beaked. Conclusion of the story here, Fishos. Uh, would be, don't fly into a brick wall. <laughs> the, the change of weather down south must have been too much for it. Anyways, I'd love a sticker if one was to cross my path. Um, it'll make a nice addition to the new boat. It's just so lovely, just um, just staying abreast, so to speak, of uh, of of all the the crows that that that, that pass die away. across the nation. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. how they come to their untimely end. Mm. Warren had always this started because Warren painted the picture of the crow being the unkillable. You know, you can't hit one with the car. I'm also enthused by the fact that people like Josh, mate, are sitting at home working away. A crow dies. They think I'm going to email the church. I'm going to tell them about this because this is extraordinary. I need and, to, and I'll grab a sticker while I'm there. Whatever I'm doing right now, needs it's, to stop. it's not as important yeah. as letting the tinny boys know that a crow has just died <laughs> where I am in Australia. Good on you, Josh. Uh, 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 from Bushy. Okay, 
<laughs> That's a good, good start. Okay, me and my mate Tash live in Carnarvon now. Uh, I lived in Mandora for eight years. Uh, I have and still listen to the church always. I have a boat uh, which I brought from Darwin called Full Mongrel. Mm. Since being down in Carnarvon, it seemed to have lost its mongrel. <laughs> we girls are wondering why we can't get a full mongrel out of it, and I think it's because we don't have your go-fast sticker. You're dead so, right. So I was hoping Neville could fly this far south. We'll have a frothy waffle waiting for him. Love, Bushy. Tash. It's lost its mongrel because you're in Carnarvon mm. and because you don't have a sticker. I mean, a boat called Full Mongrel is getting its full mongrel on in the northern tropics. Possibly a question to ask here about if it's if it's lost its full mongrel, uh, whether it's it's less mongrel. Could we call it a half mongrel? Oh, come on. Don't be stupid. Okay. Let, that's enough. All right, sorry. It's just slightly less aroused. You okay. just couldn't help from, 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 from teen what? Thank the drunken albatross for our go fast 120YYY Delilah sticker. Uh, got some slime on it today in Scotland with some choice sea trout. Oh. Kindest regards, Brigadier Watt and Commodore Reed. They've sent through a handful of pics that suggest that, yes, indeed, there are, they are in Scotland. And, yes, indeed, that trout lieth upon a tinny sticker. So there's a couple of stickers at least. There's a few floating around the UK right now. You don't see many, uh, we don't see many uh, trout on uh, on our stickers. Zero. It's nice. Yeah, it's nice yeah, little really. change. Yeah, if you want one, whether you're, you know, interstate, in the top end, uh, interstate or overseas, all you've got to do is email fishing at abc.net.au or flick us a message on ABC Tales from the Tinny on Facebook. Subscribe to the Tales from the Tinny podcast and you'll be able to pull a refreshing, thirst-quenching, truth-bending fishing yarn whenever you want. Subscribe to the podcast at abc.net.au slash tinny on the ABC Listen app or your preferred podcast provider to hear more yarns like this. So, Fishers, we promised you more Terry Ryan for this episode, and by God, we have it. <laughs> this is less the, the hard, boring fishing stuff and more a little peek into the inner domain of the Tackle World team, the, the B-sides, if and, you will. And the inner domain, I bet you, of Beard's brain. We'll see. Now, full disclosure, speaking of my brain, I've opted to run with a Spaghetti Western soundtrack under this. Terrific. Now, it's, it's, it's because these guys are notorious and heroic outlaws, uh, you know, <laughs> whom all envy for their brave trailblazing. Yeah. Yep. Um, it, sounds, it sounds perfectly appropriate. Yeah. Well, and I thought you might like it as a refreshing change from Bossa Nova. Yeah, I'm very much looking forward to both the outtakes, but also the backing track. So take your mind here for for a sec, Fishos. Okay, there's tumbleweed rolling through the Banyan farm. Lone figures appear on the horizon. <laughs> Hushed breaths from the commoners as they walk into camp. <laughs> the nervous murmurs amongst them. The pervading sense that something big is about to go down. In terms of working together on the boat, though, and possible boat sort of hacks, what do you got? Basically, just try and cast before Shane because he's so accurate at this all this active stuff that if you don't get a cast in, he's got the fish straight away. So that's probably one of mine and Steve's hacks is to just get a cast in before Shane. But then sometimes that also backfires because we completely miss and then he knows exactly where to cast and he casts up the middle and catches the fish. So, And I'm sure you would have learnt from, uh, from chicken from last year to stay on your feet uh, and not end up with your, with your legs in the air. They are definitely was one of the goals going into this week was to net better than um, chicken, but that wasn't very hard. If I just kept my legs on the boat and not up past my ears, then I would have done all right. So that was good. 
between all you guys, how many rods do you have rigged up, ready to go uh, at one stage? Is it two rods a piece, three rods a piece? This will start an argument on our boat almost every day of the week, every day of the comp. So basically, you'll go to put your rod in a rod holder and you'll go, why can't I find a rod holder? And then you go, how many rods have you got out, Shane? He's like, only a couple. And you go, how many rods have you got out, Steve? And he'll go, two. And then you go, and then I've got two out. So I'm like, there's nine spots. Me and Steve have only got two. And then Shane will just start giggling. <laughs> but no, nah, we usually run, try and run sort of two each. So you've got your plastic or your hard body or whatever ready to go. And then we also, with those, um, with Steve's boat, you've got the rod lockers and stuff. So with your rod guides, you can stick them in there with the lures on them and, and you can have as many as you want set up. But yeah, I reckon there'd be around maybe 30 in the boat at any one time. But sorry, did you say 30 rods in, in the boat? Like, ready? Yeah, there'd be 30, probably rigged, ready to go. Here's a question for you. Nature calls. What's the poo policy on your boat? I always try and go in the morning. Steve goes multiple times in the morning, and that sort of works us out. But Shane, every now and then, just has to go. And no matter where we are in the river, what stump we've got in the river, he will jump on it and quickly run up the bank and do his business. So yeah, I imagine you take that as an opportunity to, to cast your brain out while you've gone. Yeah, definitely. We try and take that and he'll be go, come and pick me up and we'll sit, literally sit there and keep fishing for about five minutes so we can catch up on his score, maybe. <laughs> and not everything has to be a stream of consciousness from your brain delivered to a microphone, including questions about poo policy. You can't you tell can me. You can think it. Don't try to tell me that you weren't enlightened by the by the answer that came out of Cherry's mouth. It was actually, it was actually fascinating. Mm. Well, that's it from us for another week, Fishos. Thanks to Tilly and Rod Micus, to Mark Grosser, Dwight Shepard, Matt Elkin. Final thanks, I think, Beard has to go to Terry Ryan, of course, who amongst other things taught us exactly how many rods we need we actually have to have in the boat in order to be competitive and catch barra. Yeah, I reckon there'd be around maybe 30 in the boat at any one time, but... Sorry, did you say 30 rods in in the boat, like, ready? Yeah, there'd be 30, probably rigged, ready to go. Yeah, that's only about 25 more rods than I own. Yeah, so you're not even close to being competitive, mate. <laughs> have a good week, fishos. And until next week, as you disappear into the sunset... Be getting an enigmatic and fearless cowboy mullet right on up you at the same time. Why don't you try that? <laughs>